name's Russ Cook and I'm attempting to become the first person ever to run the entire length of Africa. This is where I started, this is where I'm heading, and this is where I am now. I've run 11,550 kilometers so far, and I've got 5,050 left to go. So far on the mission, I've survived alone in the desert, a robbery at gunpoint, near death in the jungle, a brutal crash, fire infested waters, malnutrition, sickness and injuries, and raised £142,000 for charity. Welcome to the Like a Bigfoot podcast. I'm your host, Chris Ward. And man, oh man, I've been wanting to do an episode about this specific project for months and months and months now. Um, Today, I get to sit down with filmmaker, adventurer, photographer, Jared Karp. Uh, Jared is a uh, part of this mission. It's called Project Africa in which this amazing athlete, Russ Cook, is running the entire length of Africa from south to north. Um, You heard it kind of in the intro. I just kind of like took one of their intros from one of their YouTube videos. Um, But in my honest opinion, this is the absolute coolest, most amazing, most just insane awesome thing going on in adventure right now and along with that it is also hands down the best thing that's out there on youtube on streaming uh it's the thing i've been definitely the most hooked to when it comes to like a media thing you know like when you're hooked on a show and you're like pumped for the new episodes and all that uh every few days uh Project Africa, they are updating um, kind of a docu-series as Russ is running the length of Africa. And the docu-series kind of follows Russ's journey as the athlete, but then the crew and the filmmaker's journey uh, along the way. And it is phenomenal. Like it really puts you in the seat of what it must be like to take on such a huge endeavor. Um, And today's guest, Jared, uh, is a filmmaker, is part of Russ's crew, um, has helped him along the way for significant portions of this journey. At this point, Russ has ran uh, through 12 different African countries. He's on uh, a little bit past day 270. Like This is a huge, huge, huge deal. No one's ever accomplished this feat and then once you watch the series you kind of start to have an understanding why the amount of obstacles that are thrown in this team's way um everything from illness to crossing borders uh basically anything and everything to equipment breakdowns to car breakdowns to finding petrol like everything you can imagine being an obstacle is an obstacle and so far in the mission, these guys have found every way 
to just keep going. And it's so amazing. And it's the thing that inspires me about adventure. It's the thing that inspires me about filmmaking. It is the creativity to be faced with a problem, to be faced with an obstacle and to use it, to use it, to keep going, to use it as a stepping stone for the next thing. And it is so inspiring to watch every single week, um, which kind of leads me to the next thing I want to mention very briefly. Um, Russ posted a video and here I'll just play a part of it. Right, girls and boys. We have a bit of a problem. We haven't been able to get visas for Algeria. And if we don't get them, then it is game over for Project Africa. I've uh, been on the road for 278 days now. Ran to, well, 1,000K, something like this. Um, 13 different countries, raised over 140 grand for charity, but it is all hanging in the balance, to be honest. So that was posted a few days ago. Um, I just put it in this episode. Uh, if you're listening to this in a few weeks, hopefully at that point, they've already you know, got their visas and they're, they're ready to keep going. Um, but I wanted to post it on here just in the small off chance. I mean, that post on Instagram's already gotten like millions and like millions of views at this point, which is amazing. But just the off chance, if anyone can help this dude out, he has thrown his whole heart and soul into this thing. It's super inspiring. Um, and I'm hoping, hoping, like my fingers are crossed, like as just someone who's watching and someone who is passionate about adventures and big adventures like this, like I'm invested in in Russ's journey. I hope, hope, hope he makes it. He's an inspiring dude. Um, so just put that out there. Um, you can follow all of his stuff at Hardest Geezer. You can find all these episodes. You just look up Project Africa or Russ Cook or anything like that. But that brings us to today's episode. This intro is getting kind of long, so I apologize. Uh, today's episode is with Jared Carp. Jared is a South African filmmaker, adventurer, photographer. He is an awesome dude. Like I just absolutely loved chatting with him. I think we started recording this at 4 a.m. my time because he's in South Africa. And uh, it was an absolute joy. Dude is a is a is a joy. I can't wait to just be cheering him on for the rest of his career as a filmmaker because I know he's going to make some awesome things. So this conversation is about Project Africa, how he got involved, what they've faced along the way, but it's also this deeper conversation just about creativity and chasing your passion and the journey and what brings you to the point where you get to be a part of these really cool things. So uh, let's jump right into it. After a long intro, <laughs> this is the Like a Bigfoot podcast number 367 with Jared Carp. Remember that in school as well, like whenever the teacher calls the names for the first time in class and then everyone like everyone's like, no, no, that's not how you say it. It's like this. And they're all <laughs> correcting everyone. I remember I used to have a kid in school with me named Ashol. <laughs> <laughs> and like i never watched a single person pronounce his name without like kind of either questioning themselves or questioning everything they know <laughs> oh my god dude that's yeah that's amazing uh <laughs> yeah i would i would definitely um 
like double take of that one. Oh, yeah, right. Sorry. No, no worries. All right, ladies and gentlemen, uh, I am very excited. It is four in the morning. I am so pumped that I wanted to wake up super early, uh, call Jared Carp from all the way across the world right now and talk about this amazing project he's been involved with, um, Project Africa. In fact, I'd say hands down easily, it's the best thing going on right now in like the adventure world. Uh, and it's easily the coolest thing on YouTube. Uh, it's, I think like out of everything, I like TV shows, movies, all that stuff. Like the thing I'm most addicted to is, is getting the project Africa update every few days and watching like the little mini films that are involved. So, so anyways, welcome to the show, Jared. I'm very excited. Thank you. Thank you. It's, it's good to be here. It's been a long time planning. <laughs> oh, it has been. Yeah. But that's how it goes sometimes, especially like time zone wise and, and all that mm. stuff. Um, I, well, can you kind of give everyone an idea? Like what is project Africa? What's your involvement and things like that? Cool. Yeah. I mean, project Africa is, um, around Russ cook, um, known as the hardest keys online. Um, it's his baby, it's his child, it's everything that he's dreamt of for the last like four years odd. Um, and basically he is setting out or has set out, we set out in April of 2023 to be the first man to ever run the true length of Africa. So from, yeah, I mean, never done before. We've all heard Cape to Cairo stories. We've all heard, you know, going like SA to Morocco or whatever it may be. But this is the first man who's going from South Point in Ogalis in, in South Africa all the way to North Point in Tunisia on Tunis Beach, 16,000 odd kilometers up the West Coast. That's um, wild. Just yeah. every episode, whenever, whenever he says like the actual distance, I think it's so big, it kind of is hard to even comprehend, you know? It's every time we tell anyone where like if we meet someone and we kind of explain what we're doing because always the question is what are these four or five white boys doing in like my country running in the middle yeah. of the day in like 40 degree heat and whenever you tell someone no he's he's running the length of africa and they go oh okay kind of like brushed off and then you say it's sixteen thousand kilometers and they're like ah okay and you go it's 62 kilometers he runs a day and they go he runs 62 a day <laughs> and then people kind of snap what's happening and they're like whoa i didn't like i didn't fathom that <laughs> yeah well it is yeah. it is funny man like just it's kind of weird that you have to break it down into the smallest distance before people can wrap their heads around it but yeah. i think it i think it just kind of gives precedent to the the fact that it's so gigantic you know like i don't think most people can even consider that and i wonder if even like russ or you all involved in the crew like can kind of wrap your head around that or if it's just like a day-to-day -day kind of situation yeah i think at the beginning it was like all pure excitement you weren't really looking at the total distance or the time or anything like that yeah you were looking more at like i get to travel 16 17 odd countries um i get to do it in a van with a bunch of blokes i get to stay places that no one's like barely people go you know yeah um so i think that was kind of the starting point and now you know we're eight good months in it's uh now it's more of like a let me just wake up today and get this done i wonder what i'm gonna eat today 
<laughs> yeah. Um, uh, I have to ask this. I have to start with this. How, can you describe the smell of that van? Ooh. Because um, you missed that on YouTube. You know, like that's the one aspect not coming through the, the screen here. Yeah. I mean, it is four blokes in a van every night. There's no AC or anything like that that runs through the night. We all have little like USB fans that we plug in. Yeah. Um, so it's really, it's like 30, 32 degrees some nights, most nights actually. So most nights you sit in your ball of your own sweat. I'm sure you guys have seen in the videos like where Stan takes a nap and he wakes up and he's just completely drenched like head to toe. Um, if you take that smell, times it by four guys and then times it by whatever is probably going off in the fridge at that point. Um, yeah it's not a great smell it's like sucky but i mean you get so used to it now when like if you stay out of the van for two or three days and then you come back in you're like oh it's a little bit a little bit ripe in here but most days you get in and you've just kind of accepted the fate it's been eight months as i say so <laughs> but the smell of it is i would describe it as like old hot dog water <laughs> that makes sense like a little bit stale a little bit sweaty, but just all in all, like not a lack of smell. <laughs> that's incredible, man. Well, and that's the inspiration in the morning to like get out and get going, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we're all up. Russ is normally up by 6 to 6.30. Um, the whole crew is up and running by 6.30. Um, and then we'll be on road by 7, 7.30. So there's not much time in the morning to think about anything either. It's like Gus will come in shake your foot or scream at you or do something and you're up and out <laughs> yeah. you know you don't argue dude okay so how did this how did this project even come about and then how did you get involved with it so this project i mean i don't know the exact logistics of how it actually came to be yeah but um as far as i'm aware it was russ's kind of like thought baby and then after one of his other insane missions, I mean, if you haven't seen his stuff, he's buried himself alive for a week. He has the world record for dragging or the Guinness world record, at least for dragging a car, the length of a marathon. Um, he ran from Asia to London. So at some point between all of this craziness, he realized um, he loves running. This is what he wants to do. And what is the next big step? And the only thing he can possibly do is something that no one else has ever done. So you'll yeah. run the length of Africa. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So the baby, as I say, started quite a few years ago, um, three or four years back, the idea, and then started Russ just organizing, kind of figuring things out alone. Some people got on board at that point. Um, our current producer, Josh, has been on point on board since the beginning. Um, and then, yeah, Stan was the first team member. Uh, Stan was involved with Russ, I think, in a GeoWizard video. I think it was GeoWizard um, or Zach Allsop, one of the two, where they dribbled a ball the length of um, the length of the UK. Dude, okay, so ball. pause for a second, because if people haven't yeah. watched any of the GeoWizard stuff, it's amazing. Like, what they put out is incredible. What what kind of... Uh, can you kind of describe that for people just so... Because I've, I've watched quite a few, just like the straight lining across the country type situations, which are wild. Yeah. Yeah. So he did the straight line with a football, uh, a soccer ball for Americans. Um, 
across. I get every time I say soccer, because in South Africa, we say soccer as well. The boys ridicule <laughs> me for about 20 minutes that it is football and not soccer. <laughs> so I'm going to keep hey, correcting myself. This is a like... soccer safe zone here, you know, on this <laughs> podcast. So thank you. Thank you. So, yeah, they took a soccer ball and they dr- they dribbled it the length of Britain. Um, <laughs> I think it was like just over 24 hours or something ridiculous like that. I can't even remember. But um, basically, it was Russ, GeoWizard, or I think it was GeoWizard that was with him in that video, and Stan, who was cameramanning at that point. Um, and that's how Russ met Stan. And then Stan kind of went through a really hyper-intense like selection process with Russ, where he made them, I heard he made them run, and he made them do crazy things. Like, <laughs> I'm glad I didn't ever go through that. But he was looking for the second hardest geezer to travel on this trip with him, you know, to do this journey. Um, and yeah, Stan said yes. And then eventually down the line, um, they had got into South Africa. It was like three or four months after they were meant to start. And one of the girls, uh, there was a girl on the crew and it just, things didn't work out. Um, she wasn't the right fit, you know, when it's, when it's an eight month journey well now it's turning into like a 12 month journey yeah um you need that perfect kind of mesh between the crew um so yeah russ just decided well there's another guy well let's let's put it out and see who's around and um it was a sunday evening about half past 10 o'clock i mean half past seven o'clock at least and um i saw a facebook ad and a friend of mine sent me the facebook ad as well i was on a, a group called overlanding africa um and I was like, ah, you know, what what can what can hurt? Let me just let me apply for it. Yeah. And that night at half past ten, I got a call from Russ saying like it was cool, a really great uh, um, piece I put in, and like they really want to have me on board. And they've got a couple other guys, so let's go through some more questions and stuff like that. And I think Russ gave me a couple questions. Then we met up later in the week. He gave me some more questions to answer. Like I could just WhatsApp back. And then by like the Saturday, Sunday, I think it was of the next week, I had a meeting with the whole team yeah. at that point. And three days later, I was in Cape Town, packed up my entire life in three days, and I was in the Cape in, in Fishhook. Just yeah. ready to go. Dude, well, that's the thing that Just really, ready to go. That's one thing that really comes across is it takes a really unique individual to, to even be a part of the crew. You know, like you have to be an adventurous type and you have to be uh, adaptable and work on your toes because you never know what obstacles are going to arise. And I think that's something that's one of the aspects of the filming that I really like is how every like it's bringing in the whole crew and it's showing how you all are doing um, all the all the things too, not just Russ running, but it's showing like the behind the scene logistics and how you all are kind of handling it as well, which is really cool. Yeah. Um, I mean, we, we've always strived to kind of not be a travel channel, you know, but something a little bit more than that. Um, and kind of showing that it's not a one man job, this it's not like if anyone can do it, it'll probably be Russ alone. But, you know, he did he did Asia to London completely alone with a backpack, like one can of food every day and a hammock. Um, he's that kind of cowboy guy. So we wanted to take that cowboy authentic style to Russ that he's always been and just make it something that people can see like 
being cowboy isn't always the answer, but you can still be a little bit cowboy and like, yeah. you know, kind of go about life and um, take things as they come. Not everything has to be completely 100% to the T planned. Um, yeah. So we always wanted to kind of show what's going on in the background, how that we're not just there to film, you know, we're, we're all filmmakers um, by trade, originally YouTubers, filmmakers, whatever it may be. But you know, there's someone that still has to clean the van. There's food that has to be cooked. There's clothes that has to be washed. Um, we have to constantly be dealing with sponsors and potential like um, episode sponsors, uh, you know, integrations, stuff like that. So we wanted to we wanted people to see everything that's kind of going into this. You know, there's, there's obviously we've spoken about it a couple of times, but there's a documentary coming afterwards. The documentary will be focused more on russ and his life of how he got there and everything the youtube is a lot more of a like a non-formal platform to be able to play with so we can actually show people what we won't be able to put into a documentary you know yeah. um some of the stuff will obviously overlap um the way we speak to Russ, things we, we ask him questions in the field you know that obviously will overlap between the two but overall like youtube gives us the space that we can actually show people what goes into something this extreme while still focusing on the extreme event itself so yeah. yeah we wanted people to see all of that we wanted people to experience the journey with us one of our original conversations was that if people watch it they should feel like they've spent the time traveling and doing project africa with us yeah well i mean if that was a goal from the offset i think you all are so like beyond accomplishing that goal at this point um, thank you yeah and i want to come back to to some of those ideas but i want to hear a little bit about your background just as like a filmmaker or an adventurer like how did you get involved in 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 that aspect well um i think we should start when i was back in school <laughs> yeah you know i was never i was never the normal kid i was never the kid who wanted to sit down and do maths my dad was an accountant <laughs> My older brother's a mechanical engineer. My my baby brother's studying to be a lawyer. I never wanted to be that. I did music and drama and like, I just wanted to be, I couldn't sit behind a desk. Yeah. So I started university the first time around and I actually went into education. And I realized like I was a tri-major and I was working my ass off, but I realized I hated it because yeah. in the long run, like I want to teach, I want to show people what to be like, or inspire people at least but i i never wanted to have that nine to five scheduled style life so i left that i went into retail for a while and then i call i remember calling my mom the one day and i just said mom i'm done yeah and she said what do you mean you're done and i said i'm done with retail i'm done with this shit like sorry can i swear <laughs> yeah 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 <laughs> go for it um i just said like i'm done with this and she said I said, I'm going to go work on yachts or boats or something. And she said, well, why don't you, because I was offered a couple of years back to go and become a dive master in Mauritius. So I just decided, well, that's what's going to happen now. I'm going to go to Mauritius. I'm going to become a dive master. So I spent every last penny I had to buy a sea life underwater camera. And I got in a plane and I moved to Mauritius for three and a half months. Um, I became a like a, a dive master there. I became a rescue diver, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, and all the stuff. And then came back to South Africa um, and I carried on my diving career. But back in SA, I was fortunate because I got situated in Pretoria, which is like landlocked, dead center. 
Um, but my boss was really well connected. So we used to go every second weekend. I'd be in Mozambique or Sudwana or Kamas or Scottsdale, somewhere, you know, on the coast of South Africa, um, even you know, up into Mozambique even. I uh, did a little bit of stuff down in Plet as well for a while with cat sharks. And I realized like that adventure and diving and seeing things that people don't normally get to see is my passion. Yeah. But I want to show people those things now. I want to show people what I've learned. You know, I spent five years um, diving almost every single day and kind of um, learning about nature and learning about how things co-interact and I was fascinated by this. Um, and then while working in the dive center, I had another guy working with me. His name is Marnie. And Marnie and I became very, very good friends, like outside of work. And he bought his first camera. And I thought to myself, well, I've got a camera back home. I've got a Canon. Let me go grab that. Him and I can go out together, you know, get some people, just take photos, whatever. Go to the botanical garden, just do something yeah. that isn't diving for a little bit, you know, on our off weekends. So... Yeah, Marnie started my craze again for photography. Him and I kind of bounced off one another and kind of inspired each other. And at the end of 2018, I remember I was moving a table with my boss and I said to him, Big B, I'm going to film school. And he said, okay, <laughs> cool. And I went, I've realized that I love cameras and I love diving, I love adventure. I want to be the person who shows people that now. I want to I want to learn how to push that forward, you know. So yeah, I um he went cool, I support you and I moved off and in 2019 I started at university. I did 4 years in university, so I actually only technically finished properly last year I was given my degree, so the year before so 2022 was my last year. Wow. Um yeah, and while I was in university I just focused on becoming uh a camera operator and direct and DOP and director, you know, and um, that was with a passion lied. So that was what I wanted to do. And I decided, well, if I'm not going to be able to tell underwater stories just yet, because I can't afford an underwater housing, at least I'm going to find what I really love in this industry and try and make some money doing that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Then last year while I was, well, not la yeah, last year. No, sorry. Not last year. Year before I'm confused. 2024, the year before in my final year of university, I was awarded an opportunity to go work for national TV in South Africa. So I um, I was a location director, cinematographer, and a cam operator. I worked on some big shows. We won a South African film and TV award for one of the shows. Like it really pushed me up that they gave me so much um, kind of leeway to do what I wanted. I mean, I was end up in my first year being sent out to jobs alone where I have to direct, shoot, yeah. um, do the sound, everything, like all in one man, you know, and this is... 12 minute pieces that go on television but if you saw our old editing style it was like 150 shots within one second will be shown so you need a ton of content and was that your choice that editing style or no no no, no. so i didn't edit at all we had team editors gotcha. um, so i would just go out every day i was sent a brief by a producer and told who i'm going to go shoot with that day it could have been a chef it could be a south african celebrity it could have been anyone or anything, you know, I shot with a ton of different people and told a ton of stories. So I kind of was afforded the opportunity there to really learn how to pull story together yeah. with basic, basic briefs. You know, our producers were, for lack of a better phrase, they just couldn't give a shit. So they they would give you this half-baked 
um, thing that you got to pull together and <laughs> they're sitting in Cape Town and you're sitting in Joburg. So you just got to make the most of it. So it really taught me problem solving and that kind of stuff. And um, my, my kind of mindset towards creativity shifted in that year. It, um, I, I started kind of thinking to myself that creativity is less being born with it and more about problem solving creativity for me became like this is what i need to figure out how to do these are the tools i have yeah how do i achieve that while still doing better than anyone there thought i could do you know like push it to the next level kind of thing um and yeah i think that was one of the reasons eventually when i joined up with russ and them and i started applying i said straight off the bat like i love problem solving for me problem solving is creativity and that's like I think everything has a solution to it. You just need to take the time to find it. And sometimes thinking outside of the box is the creativity that you need, you know, and that's satisfying enough. And that was one of the reasons eventually I was pulled on board. Yeah. And well, I, we think, I love what you just said about creativity. I think um, when that happens, it engages just some certain part of your brain that to me is like, that's like the addicting part of life where you're just like, oh, I got to go out and like engage with a problem. And maybe my solution wasn't exactly what I thought it would be at the beginning, but but I got it done and I figured it out. And like, I ended up making something that I didn't even expect or I didn't even know was going to be made. And I think that's, I just, I love that description that you just gave. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah. I think when once it, you kind of realize it that way, it is life-changing. It changes your perspective on everything, you know? everything becomes creative. I see creativity in, like there's art in driving a car really well. There's art in shooting really well, you know, but it's all that, like, I need to learn how to drive stick shift really well. That's my problem. How am I going to get there? You know? Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, it changes your, your, the way you kind of see life. For sure. Well, and how you get there with stick shift is just stall the car out like 50 times on the <laughs> middle of the road and looking like an idiot, you know? My dad, the first time I learned to drive stick shift, put me on a hill, told me to put the car in neutral, pull the handbrake up and switch it off. And he went, you want to learn how to drive? Go. <laughs> <laughs> I destroyed that clutch on that little car. <laughs> um, uh, I wanted to ask just really quick to connect with that. Yeah. What kind of underwater stories are like dream stories for you that you'd like to tell? Or is that something that got you into it but it might not be a passion now so no it's it's definitely still a passion of mine i i love the underwater world i want to take the the stories that you have to travel far to see i want to i want to show you the sardine run you know i'm diving the sardine run coming june hopefully um as long as i'm back june july and like the sardine run is a once in a lifetime opportunity that you can't actually even fathom if you've never seen it. You know, you sit in the middle of when I was a kid used to be three to five million sardines at a time. I would literally sit on our balcony in, in Durban, seeing the shimmering waves, like flicker through the ocean. There's millions of these sardines at one time. And they shoot a helicopter up and they, they kind of find these bait balls and then they go drop you off right in the center of the bait ball. And while you're sitting, this bait ball's going around you, there's sharks coming in, there's whales coming up, there's birds diving down. Like 
there's tuna coming through there's fucking dolphins coming in like <laughs> you cannot fathom it like i'm saying this to you and you're probably like wow that just sounds chaotic f and it really really is but in the best way possible yeah and you know i after years of teaching diving as well i saw that people are terrified to even put a mask on and go underwater the second you lose that ability to kind of breathe from your nose people don't want to do it they panic so it takes a little bit of time to get there and that idea of claustrophobia puts people off of diving and never gives them the opportunity to see the bottom of the ocean and i mean we've all heard the fact that more people have seen the moon than have seen the bottom of the ocean blah 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 but affording yourself the chance to do that is it's so worth it you know but there are those people obviously that will never get that opportunity and will never want to take that opportunity so i want to be the person who can show them that opportunity i want to tell stories of beautiful romance of animals you know like going and seeing the forest of hammerheads in the galapagos or in my mind whale sharks and manta rays are a myth because every time i've been told you can see them in this area and i go diving there we never see one yeah so i want to see things like that i want i want people to experience that first moment of just wonder that i got to experience so many times you know like i've done dives where i've been left alone where all my dive masters just my dive master candidates just left me um and i was left one or two meters away from pregnant ragged tooth sharks that feeling that you get i think it'll never be directly transferable but i can at least inspire someone to get underwater and try find themselves in the same predicament and experience that same emotional feeling you know that that feeling that you get from something like that yeah so yeah that'll be the dream one day it's um i i aspire to be is a south african man named pj kotsa and I aspire to be like PJ. I aspire to tell stories. And his stuff was just on planet Earth too. You know, like he, to be someone like that, to be able to have so much credibility in the industry, that's a passion. That's a dream for me. You know, that's something I want to, I want to show people that world. Yeah. Well, I think there's like what, with what you just described, there is a direct correlation to what you all are doing on project africa too like you are showing people from all corners of the world what africa's like because really the best way to see a place is to travel it by foot or to travel it you know 60 kilometers at a time 60 kilometers a day and yeah. um i think that's a really important thing um, that I take away every time I'm watching an episode. Uh, I, th I think it's cool to see the different paths that people take and the different ways that people live because we get so kind of hung up on our own world sometimes. And, you know, to me, one of the power, one of the importance of storytelling really is just to expose people to different perspectives. And, you know, I think that's exactly what you all are doing, which is, really really yeah. cool what um yeah. when, when it comes to you as a storyteller what why do you think storytelling is so important you know why do you think it's something that's a passion of yours but also something that people have been doing for generations and generations at this point yeah i mean that's the answer in itself you know storytelling is the most human form of entertainment it always has been we've told stories to each other 
since the beginning of time as entertainment as lesson as everything you know and i mean if we never heard about world war Two, we'd probably repeat the acts you know yeah. so story is story is everything story is human story is like lifeblood to us you know you don't sit with your mate in the bar and talk about how good the beer is for 10 minutes or 20 minutes you know you yeah. talk about that cool thing you went and did the other day you know i went go-karting and i saw this and did this <laughs> it's story you know it's it's i think story makes us human because people find relativity in story and people like to relate to people you know people like to find similarity so i think story me telling you a story helps you find like a little bit of interest in that whether it be you want to do the same journey or you um have done something similar or whatever it may be we can bond over that you know we can we can come together and we can also learn lessons you know i can learn i can uh, i can go into africa eat something bump my head because it's really, really terrible and tell you to never eat it again. And at least you've learned that lesson, you know? <laughs> so yeah, yeah, I think story's just in us and it's so beautiful. Like, as I said, in school, I did drama and that was all about telling story, telling story believably, you know, like take on a character and tell that character's story like no one else can tell that character's story. And even though it's this completely fictional character, me as the performer, I can find reasons to relate to this person and they might not be the same as me at all. Like the story could be about, you know, being a raging alcoholic and a sex offender, whatever it may be. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, yeah. like I, I don't even drink. So, yeah. but I can still find relativity to this person's story by embodying them. Um, I don't know where I'm entirely going with this, but yeah, story is no, it's, just... it's, 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 yeah, it's incredible. I mean, it's, it builds empathy in people. And mm. that is something that, you know, I work with kids. I work with uh, middle school kids. Uh, and building empathy is one of the big components of making them fully human. Mm. I always joke sometimes, like when my middle schoolers mess up, you know, I'm always like, oh, well, you know, they're just, they're learning how to be human. They're not quite there yet, but they're getting there, you know? And I think- <laughs> In the process. Yeah, they're still in the process. But yeah. I think I think uh, building that empathy is, is really important. Hmm. And- Well, yeah, I mean, also on that note, like, you know, story is a way for us or just telling story is a way for us to see places we would never get the opportunity to meet people that we would never get the opportunity to meet. And like, I want, I, I, I have very strong emotions towards kind of racism and xenophobia and pushing people out and stuff like that. And I really want to show people that, especially in Africa, people are amazing. Yeah. You know, like you, we, we were also set in our own lives. I come from a suburban, like I live in the suburbs, you know, I live a really cushy life. I've got a bar across the road and a place where I can go buy food and whatever and like a takeaway and a, and a petrol station, you know, and I, you kind of sit in that mindset and just think that at some point you become like, oh, well, this is kind of normal, you know, people, yeah. this is what people almost expect. And then going out into the world and seeing that people are so much happier with so much less. Yeah. And that makes you kind of consider yourself 
why am I unhappy at times when I have so much more, you know? Yeah. Um, and I want, I've always wanted to tell that story. I've always wanted people to kind of see what it's like to be just not you, you know, that there is a different viewpoint. There's so many things we can learn from, you know, like just one example and Russ and I speak about it so often is that in Africa, the most, the strongest thing I've seen and experienced is community. And I feel like we've lost that system of community in the Western world, yeah. you know, um, kind of the idea of it takes a village to raise a child in most African village villages. It does the yeah. entire village takes part in raising a child. And that makes a child so much more like diverse and ex like, you know, kids come up to us. They've never seen anyone of kind of my skin tone in their life or anyone who speaks like me. I can barely speak their language and I'm carrying a massive camera on me, but they come up to me and like, can we, can we take a photo? Like, you know, can we, yeah. can we talk to you? Can we get to know you a little bit? You know, people would watch over our shoulders as Stan edits. It's just what you can kind of learn from people. Um, you can only learn through story because we're not going to always get that chance to, I'm never probably going to get the chance to go and live in the Amazon, but I can watch guys that are in the Amazon and learn about Amazonian culture and people and, you know, what life is like there. And that's amazing, you know, that I can never go somewhere, but still know about it. Yeah. And it just paints the world as this beautiful, yeah. wonderful place because it is so diverse and it is so different, you know? Yeah. Um, I think that's awesome. When you, when you guys are crafting the week or it's not even a week, it's like a few days of a story of a, of a little short film, you know? Um, how do you guys go about that? Like, what's the process? Are you talking like during the day about like, hey, this was like a cool thing that happened today. This is definitely going in. How much are you actually filming? Because I know it's just funny um, going out to film like a documentary. People are like capture everything you can and all that. And then when you're actually doing the process of it, you realize like, oh, that's not actually possible because you have to Practical, dump all the yeah. film and put it all on the computer yeah. and that takes a while yeah. and the more you have the more the longer it takes and all that like so how do you guys decide what to film and like how to craft the story so um we should well yeah so for us we are technically literally always filming okay <laughs> we've got um yeah so if i break down our camera setup to you we've got um, four dash cams. So one dash cam in the van facing driver, one facing or driver and window, one facing forward. Then we have the the pickup, the the, the four by four. We have the one facing the driver and one facing forward. Those have to be dumped every single day. You've seen yeah. those like filler style shots, um, just getting towed into stuff. <laughs> yeah. Ex exactly i mean if we never had a dash cam that wasn't always rolling we would have never caught it yeah exactly see and then we have uh, a drone obviously that we were chucking up in the sky at least once a day we have um a cam and b cam and then we've got photo cam so and then sorry we also have the insta 360 that rust now wears okay. um so we've that's got the thing on his chest wait that's the camera yeah. on his chest that just sees like the top of the screen the beard is cam. just beard. The beard cam. Yeah, yeah beard cam, beard cam. Uh, one of my favorite cameras that I think if we were to ask the 
um, the, the audience as well. That's one of their favorite views. Beard cam gets people going. <laughs> it's amazing. Um, so yeah, with all of those cameras together, we um, I've developed the whole system for us and we DIT every single night. Um, there's like a, a triple check system that you make sure that everything is going backed up. And then, so we now we're on two editors, uh, Stan and Jamie. Yeah. The way that things kind of work now with two vehicles is very often, if I'm at the mission, I'll be going back very soon. It'll be myself and Gus in the four by four. And our job is just to follow Russ all day, make sure he's fed, make sure he's got water, make sure we're shooting content, getting cutaways while we're waiting for him, you know, going and doing a little adventure here and there, getting some story. Stan and Jamie are very often, well, they're always with the van. The van is like head office production. Yeah. Um, and wherever we stayed the night before, they're usually there. Or if it's really like a bit touch and go there, we'll push on and find the next location. Um, so they're always kind of sitting around editing. They, I think the process that they've landed on at the moment, when Stan wasn't there, I know the process was kind of one is doing a cut down of the four days while the other one is finishing the last one. Gotcha. And then when he uploads, he takes the cut down and then re clean, refines that, you know. Um but yeah, so because we're so disjointed like this in the days, to try cut down a little bit on um, kind of time of just Stan or James, Jamie just watching through like 14 minutes of clip of just talking absolute nonsense, we'll kind of discuss and say like, well, you know, I spoke to Russ at this point about um, being at home or what he misses most at home or whatever the example may be. So then they kind of know like, if they're looking through a bit, I also tell them like, okay, I cut and then re-rolled or whatever it may be. Um, so we can kind of organize that a little bit um, and just talk about little things. But really with the YouTube videos, there's no real like predetermined story. We never know what's going to happen in a day. So yeah. it's very much a, a post-edit story build, um, like finding story in that. And quite often we'll sit down together if they're mid-editing and they'll be like, like James, Jamie would ask me, hey man, you know, like, is it worth it? We ended the last one on a cliffhanger. Is it worth ending this week on a cliffhanger as well? Should we resolve? And then we'll kind of discuss it back and forth, you know, and blow back some ideas. But really the entire process is post-production. Like yeah, I'm running around. We've obviously got some kind of idea in mind of what we want things to look like and kind of when last we spoke to us. So every three four days i will change it up and okay we'll speak about something a little bit deeper than how is it how was your day you know um that way i mean we we keep things light in the episodes as well so the whole thing isn't super intense um we can also let russ kind of reset his mind you know it's it's incredibly demanding to be running 62ks a day most of the time there's a lot of the time at least there's no signal so you're kind of dealing with your own thoughts and just listening to music or podcasts. Um, so, you know, you got to kind of give him rest from that as well. Uh, so yeah, we'll kind of work it around that. And then, yeah, so there's kind of a formula to every episode, but at the same time, then the editors will build the story, write the VO and then tie the story together with the VO just before literally launching. Like more often than not, if a video is going up on Wednesday night, we have a, a kind of rule on the team that things have to be up. If it's going up on the Wednesday, it has to be up on the Tuesday so we can still watch and fix if need be. But 
if it's going up on the Tuesday night, it's probably being the VO at like stop number one on Tuesday after on Tuesday morning. Like, <laughs> you know? dude, it's so um, impressive that you are able to do this. You all are able to do this like multiple times a week. You know, yeah. I just think like you talked about going to film school and, you know, you learned a lot in film school, I'm assuming, and things like that. But you're making films like every like for, for over 200 days now and it's a non-stop process and i'm like just think about the amount of experience and the amount of uh lessons that you're learning along the way just by doing that like you started this project at one level and then by the end of it y'all are going to be at a completely different level because just simply because of the amount of time you've spent being filmmakers you know yeah i mean that's definitely like film stuff uh, i'll see at the end when the documentary comes out you know that's my baby yeah. so i'll see when that comes out but photography wise even i've seen myself like my work change you know and, and develop a new voice um within the last year and it's very hard when your passion becomes your career to still find passion for something and i think the constant production of content has both ruined content for me and like the passion and also inspired me more. Yeah. Um, you know, to, to stand up every day and pick up, let's just talk about a photo camera. If we're picking up a photo camera, I don't know. Well, yesterday I shot him from the front and I shot him from behind <laughs> and I shot him from the side. Where can I go now? You know, and even just finding moments like choosing you, you, I found that I choose moments more where I'll be watching him out the side of the car while we're kind of cruising with him just shot some video we're getting into town oh, okay that person's looking at him weirdly that's a moment you know like yeah. yeah you know kind of assessing situations more and my my choice of how to tell the story has changed a lot you know in the beginning it was see what works pull out the camera take photos i need a photo of the van every day i need a photo of the crew one crew each crew member every day i need a photo of russ every day from this angle that angle running standing drinking whatever it may be <laughs> yeah and now like that kind of, I want to call it the stereotype style shooting that we were starting in yeah. has very much changed, you know, and we've, even though we've probably abused every single angle and space we can get into to shoot a shot, beard we'll cam. still find a new shot every time. <laughs> yeah. That's why you know? beard cam was so exciting, I bet. Beard cam. That's why people love beard cam. <laughs> they were sick of seeing slow-mo rust cam. There is also, I think we need to talk about this and we need to start an online petition. I don't know how many of our followers are going to watch this, but I have from the beginning of this mission shot slow-mo of Russ every time he puts on sunscreen. And I think we need a petition to get the Russ slow-mos of him putting on sunscreen essentially into the videos at least once. <laughs> you at least there's need... Probably, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you... there's probably... And I'm not, I'm not even like um, uh, uh, exaggerating. There's probably... 60 to 100 gigs of footage of Russ just rubbing himself <laughs> down in lotion. Hey, man, you at least need to do like a one episode where it's just that, you know, or, just, or you know, reach out to sunscreen companies and you'll get big time sponsorships, you know? Exactly. Then we can use all of my footage. It'll never <laughs> go to waste. Um, I'm curious about the idea of you, you're talking about at the beginning doing like stereotypical shots or filming or or pictures and things and do you think just the time and the 
the time you you all have been filming like breaks that down and then you're able to kind of like do you think if someone's doing a project like this where like a filmmaking project like this they almost need to do all those stereotypical shots at the beginning to realize like oh this isn't actually what we need or what we want to do you know yeah i i definitely think so i mean if you look back to our original videos they weren't bad by any means yeah um they weren't great though you know so i do think you need to experiment maybe maybe those stereotypical shots work for the story you're telling but from the beginning and russ often reminds us that we are there we've got this crazy opportunity you know like I think what really changed it is you you would get two kinds of people at this point in the mission. Let's put it this way. You would get the person who accepts what they've done and they're just there to tell story. They just, the story is what matters, you know? And for us, the story is what matters, but also all of us are so passionate about what we're doing that it becomes more than just story. It becomes owing the fans more owing yourself more you know owing russ more the the craziest mission to ever run through africa deserves the craziest storytelling it deserves the best you know um imagine we were mediocre and russ just held a gopro every day and that was the only content we used you know yeah but now we we look for shots we look for b-roll we look to show um locations you know like we're we're trying to find i wouldn't even say we've perfected it but we're getting there and we're trying to find that perfect balance between making it youtube and making it cinema you know and i think that balance is what takes us over the edge you know we're not we're young guys we are young but we're dedicated and we're driven and we all have this feeling of this is our shot. I'm not going to let this slip. Yeah. You know, so we work 17 hours a day, seven days a week without any question, without hesitation. There's never a morning you wake up and go, can we just have a rest today? Or can I be off? You know, from the beginning of the mission, Russ said to us, if you want a day off, I will give you a day off. I don't mind that. I understand it's tough, but none of us will take a day off. Yeah. Because we're all so in love with what we're doing that it's more than just Russ Cook running the length of Africa. It's the Project Africa team building the legacy of Project Africa. Yeah, you know? well, and I know legacy is a big theme and it's a big motivation uh, for Russ. And it sounds like, you know, as, and I'm sure you're all leaders in your own way, but as the person that came up with the project, Russ's vision, and his kind of goal of of leaving a legacy it feels like it's almost gone off into all of you guys as well which is really really cool yeah definitely um we all i don't think we would be here if we didn't fully believe in what russ was doing and want to make the most of the opportunity and realize what opportunity we have you know as i say there's there's us that are passionate and there would be the filmmaker that just became like accepting but i will tell you in our crew there is no space (laughs) for being the lazy one out (laughs) like 
if you have a down day, you'll be sitting on your phone for 10 minutes and like yeah. Gus will come past and be like, you know, I really need the van cleaned. And okay, I'm up, let's go. You know, there's it's equal pull in every single way from every single person. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I have a feeling just from what, you know, what we've seen at, from Gus, I wouldn't want to say no to him either. You know, like he seems like the coolest dude in the world. Seems like uh, just an incredible and unique person. You know, I don't know how you yeah. would describe him. I th- I mean, obviously I want, I think people need to go watch this and check out the series and all that. But uh, yeah. but yeah, he's, he seems like a really cool dude. <laughs> yeah, I think if you were to take like Ash Dykes and Tarzan and put them together, you get Gus. <laughs> you know, the man yeah. is insane in his own right. And if anyone could give the hardest geezer a, ch- a run for their money, I think it'll be Gus. Well, that was <laughs> like know? the one of the more recent episodes. He just decided to run a hundred k, and they were like, "How many? How many k's have you ran before?" He's like, 20. and you're like, "Oh!" <laughs> and he just went out and did it, and it was amazing. Yeah, yeah. But I uh, think that's yeah. what we kind of really appreciated about Gus when he joined the team is that we're creatives. You know, like I'm a filmmaker. Stan has been in YouTube. He's a YouTube filmmaker. Jamie's also Jamie's across both now. Um, Gus is a military man. Yeah, he's he's intelligent. He's extremely well equipped for Africa for some reason, and he's he's he he takes time to kind of think things through. Where I'm very ADHD and I'll do anything on a whim but he kind of understands what's going on at all times and has kind of like a grasp on that. And that in itself is such a vital key element to the mission. Um, because, you know, even Russ in his own right is a creative. Yeah. Um, you know, he's a creative and he's an ultra athlete, but Gus brought that logistical mindset that we needed and that, that kind of stern military mindset that we also needed. Um, which we were lacking at the beginning of the mission, fully open. Like we were, we wake up nine p.m., nine a.m. at least, maybe be on road by ten. Yeah, you know, Russ would run into the night. Then batteries weren't charged, and you know, it's it's really hard just being like three dudes mi- managing this whole mission. But at the same time, like it's also hard being harder being three creative. We have a word in Afrikaans in South Africa called loskop, which just means like a loose head just all over the show all the time and you know it's 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 hard to be kind of straightforward and know what you need to do when you're creative so we needed Gus a lot to actually help with that side of the mission and things have changed dramatically but really for the better you know as I say we're all up at 6 a.m now missions moving we're running longer doing longer days um but no one complains because there's fluidity to the team as well and understanding of what everyone's doing yeah yeah can you uh just really quick speak a little bit about stan stan's uh like you've been mentioning him back and forth but uh i think the thing that stood out to me and i think my favorite episode so far uh was when gus and russ had to split and they had to run through the mountains take the truck, go, go up these like crazy dirt roads. Like just yeah. watch that episode. It is insane. I can't remember which number it is. Yeah, but I'll that's try to... Cameroon to Nigeria. That's, um, it was probably about like 
ooh, five weeks ago now. Okay, I'll look it up and I'll make sure to add it in the in the show notes. But they're they're driving one direction through the mountains, and then Stan and Jamie take the van, and they have to get the van. I mean, here I'll let you describe it because you're a part of the mission. But it was I've shown that video to so many people like we were at family reunions for christmas and things and i'm like you guys have to see this this is the craziest thing i've ever seen yeah um stan cameraman stan so let's start off with stan definitely has the worst farts in the van (laughs) (laughs) but stan is stan's extremely special and i think a lot of this mission as well um the thanks belongs to Stan as well. Stan is for a very long time. Stan was our only editor on the team. He was the only editor on location that was actually editing. So Stan was waking up in the morning, same time as us. We only had one vehicle. So that vehicle is the one driving around with Russ. Yeah. He was up, he was driving a van. He was shooting, taking photos at night onto the editing or every gap we actually got every break. We would take, he would pull out his laptop, pull out his table, sit down, start editing. And that man pushed out the first six, seven months of the mission. Wow. One man. Wow. And um, he will graft all night through, take two, three hours of sleep. And then if we have a little gap gap at some point, he'll grab a one hour nap. The man was literally living on energy drinks and, uh, well, perfect heads and um, uh, 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 just hopes and dreams like stan is stan is a force to be reckoned with and i think people should watch out for stan in the industry he's going to he's going to take things by storm and change things a lot well and just that whole i mean that totally comes across and the best comment that you guys highlighted about stan was that he looks like harry potter if harry potter hit rock bottom <laughs> oh, rock bottom harry potter gosh Shane. uh but but he uh they take the van and they have to get the van on a ferry and get yeah. it into another country and when i've described that to people people are like i know what a ferry looks like and i'm like you don't know what a ferry looks like <laughs> like yeah. that it's not a this they get it on this wooden boat but the fact that he was able to get that done, because I don't know, and you can speak to this, but to me, logistically, that seemed like the hardest challenge of the whole entire mission so far. And maybe yeah. that maybe I'm just off because I'm just a viewer, you know, but. So I think that's a really good point to actually see an example of some of the logistics that go into Project Africa. Stan was contacted I think we all got an SMS or WhatsApp or at least an Instagram message. I can't remember where we were. We were probably still around DRC or Kabinda-ish. I think we were in Kabinda. And we kind of realized that I was looking at the mission going forward. You know, Gus wasn't there yet. It was just myself and Stan. And we were looking at the mission going forward and we were like, shit, we've seen some photos and video now of other people crossing this border. Yeah. And that border is a disaster. So we need to make a plan because Nelly, the van, is not getting through there. You know, Nelly is a 2x4, 2.4 liter Ivoco daily medium wheelbase with tiny little donut wheels. You know, she's not made for off-roading by any means. She's got yeah. the clearance of like a Ferrari. Like, <laughs> it's really bad. She was a school bus. 
<laughs> so we kind of started having to make plans there and figuring things out. And then at some point, we all got an Instagram message from um, this girl. I, I can't remember her name right now, unfortunately. But she works for a... I don't want to say... I'm not sure if it's a rehab or a like a, a a rescue or what for wild animals but mainly for like gorillas and stuff like that okay um an amazing woman and she said she knows the captain of this boat she said boat originally as well she said she knows the captain of a boat that goes from cameroon to nigeria to pick up like medication for the vet um so they can speak to them and we should be able to ship the van across and yeah that plan was probably that was probably two, three months of planning. Um, yeah, it was about three months of planning um, coming across back and forth with this girlie to actually get there. And eventually when they got there, it was delayed days after days after days after days because, you know, these things don't go every day. It's not your your ferry across the Thames. It's it's a ferry built by hand, pushed by like two dudes, you know, with a, yeah. with a stick or a little 30cc motor. Um so yeah, it just took forever, but eventually they were ready to depart, and now they wanted to like crane the van onto the, the, <laughs> yes, the, the boat, yes. and the crane wasn't big enough. And eventually, as you saw, they put down like slats and drove the dude, van up, dude. And the van was at the front of the boat, Jamie just going. That was that. the craziest shot. Is just uh, they were a storm hit or giant waves hit, and you just yeah. see the van on the front of the boat just going up and down. And you're like, "What yeah. is?" Now, and the boat is hit, like a a little wooden like little rectangle thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> homemade, handmade thing. Um, Jamie was inside the van when that started, and Jamie woke up being thrown from side to side <laughs> in his bed. And then they told them to get out the van because they were actually terrified that this van's about to go overboard. Yeah. So yeah, if you mention a boat to Jamie, you can physically see the PTSD in his eyes. Just the. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, no. Yeah. So, I mean, that just shows a look into kind of the logistics that goes into this. Like people see us running and getting on the road every day. Yeah. They don't see the thousands of Instagram messages that we sift through and the 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 paths we have to take to get things done you know it's not no one's done this for a reason yeah. it's not easy and i don't think we would have even been able to get to where we've gotten without the amazing support of the viewership yeah know, and the people coming out and giving us options and help yeah no it's incredible um before we wrap up can you just talk a little bit about Russ, about the athlete, about uh, the hardest geezer running across Africa. Like, what have you learned from just being around him or working with him or just watching him grind through it? Because I think that's, if I was thinking about the, the episodes at the beginning to the episodes now, like just the growth that he's shown in just being beaten in just being beaten down <laughs> you know like being beaten down every single day like that has to change you and that has to do something for you and i think it's it's something that definitely like you see as as you watch all the episodes you know you see that that happening and obviously it's probably you know where he was 200 days ago is not the same place where he is now you know yeah 
I mean, it's been really fascinating watching Russ go because obviously people don't think about it when they're just watching the videos, but Russ is simultaneously running the length of Africa and running a very successful startup. Technically, yeah. yeah. You know? um, and I don't know. He's, he's not human. I'm convinced of that. <laughs> um, you know, like <laughs> I've taken his blood pressure and his pulse, but I'm pretty sure he's still not human. Um, he is an amazing athlete. Yeah. He is phenomenal. And he has this kind of, there's no way to compare his dedication to anyone else. Um, I had my fair share of uh, uh, sports uh, um, success growing up. Like I did a lot of martial arts and I was a world competitor and a world champion and stuff. And I worked hard. Yeah. But I don't think I worked 50% of what Russ does, 40% wow. of what wow. Russ works. He is mentally, he is fitter than anyone I've ever met. He he has down days. We all have down days. We all have bad days. But his ability to get up the next day when he's been vomiting his lungs out the day before, his ability to get up and still try, it's it's remarkable. You know, he... um everyone obviously knows the saying in the team the if i can't run i'll walk if i can't walk i'll, I'll crawl if i can't crawl i'm probably dead <laughs> and that that's not just a thing he says for camera that's an ethos yeah you know he will get up and walk a marathon in a day where most people won't even like walk a half marathon you know yeah he is i don't know there's there's no there's no real words to explain Russ Cook other than he is the hardest geezer. Yeah. You know, he is the most dedicated, persistent man I've ever met ever. Yeah. And through it all, he manages to maintain his relationship with his girlfriend, um, maintain his relationship with his religion, you know, like, and continue growing and learning. Like, one of the very popular pastimes in the team is long, like, I don't want to call it a DMC, like a deep, meaningful conversation, but just kind of debates almost. Yeah. Like we will, we'll bring a, a subject to the table and we would just speak about it for an hour, two hours and break it down and rip it down. And there's this kind of beautiful team feeling that we all want to kind of, no one wants to be right ever everyone wants to learn and kind of grow from who each other are um in the end we are the team now is russ obviously gus jamie james i mean jamie uh, uh stan and myself obviously and you know like the team between us we're all completely different people we all have different political standpoints religious standpoints whatever but we can come together and Russ has really like kind of brought this into the team, this, this way of we can speak about anything and there is no judgment from anyone. Um, yeah. And like, you can be wrong. No one's ever going to scream at you and 
punch you in the face and tell you you're wrong and what you're yeah. doing yeah. is wrong. But we'll all kind of speak about things and see each other's side. And that's really beautiful. And Russ kind of instilled that in the team, you know, like he's, he's a very, very inquisitive, intelligent and extremely adventurous man. Yeah. yeah. That's amazing, man. Well, I think yeah. what you all are doing, like, I mean, I, I don't want to put too much hyperbole or whatever you'd say on it, but it's the best thing going on right now. And it's one of the biggest adventure. It's, it's probably the biggest adventure that I think anyone's ever captured in this way, like in the way that you're doing it, which is, you know, all hands on deck and, you know, like boots on the ground every single day. You know, yeah. I think you, what you are doing is so special. It's so incredible. And when you talked about when you all realize the opportunity that you have, um, I think, I mean, I just, I can't wait to see where you go with this. I can't wait to see where the project goes and, and the successes that every single one of you has in the future. It's, it's amazing. Thank you, Rue. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, at this point, I'm hoping it gets to Tunisian beach and then we'll figure it out from there afterwards. <laughs> yeah. You always have to do like, like, it is funny. Yeah. Like you got to do one day at a time, one moment at a yeah. time, <laughs> one know? day at a time, you know? And like, um, my, my therapist has always kind of helped me with through things like this. And he said to me right from the beginning, like, you know, one day at a time and take everyone, uh, uh give everyone the opportunity they deserve you yeah. know, from the beginning, like we're there as a team and we work together. And I think, I don't think I'd be able to do it without the team as well. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Where, where can people go and check out, you know, I think you, I can't even remember how many episodes you're at now. It's a lot, but they're all fantastic. Trust me. I've watched every single one of them. Uh, where can people go and do that? And then where can people kind of donate to the charity and things like that? Yeah. So um the youtube obviously um our youtube is hardest geezer um or if you just type in rust's cook you'll find okay. everything as well we've obviously got instagram we've got x um we're doing a little bit of tiktok now things are picking up you'll yeah. see now like might be a four-man crew but they're going to be every single content platform you could think about uh, is the tiktok just the uh sunscreen videos unfortunately not i might even just edit one to put on tiktok but yeah so there's the tiktok is like little this little clips of things that have happened in the videos um little things of russ speaking about you know like whatever maybe maybe legacy or whatever um just beautiful little snippets of that and then we are working on some uh dedicated tiktok content as well i'm really hoping i can have rust working by the end of the mission like on camera um we'll see if it happens um yeah, so obviously YouTube, Instagram, TikTok, uh, uh, X, all of that. Um, if you want to support our charitable causes, you can just type in Hardest Geezer again or Russ Cook on uh, on Google and you'll find the GiveStar page. Okay. It's also linked in, I think, it's linked in my bio, it's linked in Russ's bio. I'm pretty sure it's linked in all of our bios. Okay. Um, that's to obviously support our charities, which thank you everyone up to this point. Like if anyone has donated and they're watching thank you really we've done better than we all thought it would do at the beginning you know like but the new goal is a million pounds <laughs> i reckon we can do a million pounds hey you all set lofty goals and then you go out and get it done which is yeah, exactly uh, impressive 
exactly. So um, a million pounds, hopefully we can raise a million. We have raised over 100,000. I'd be lying. It's probably around 150 odd, 140 odd. Um, if it's even that high, I don't even know. But that goes entirely to the charities. And then if you would like to support us as well, um, you can just watch the videos, like, subscribe, obviously. And then we also have a Patreon. Um, yeah, the Patreon's also linked in Russ's bio. It might be linked in mine as well on Instagram. Okay. Yeah. Awesome, so man. You can, yeah. Also, just go to family reunions and tell all your family about it. And yeah, coworkers. Tell all your family about it. I'll say this, we, we, we have a staff meeting or uh, at my middle school every week and we always start with a question and my assistant principal's like, what's something, like what's a TV show you're watching that you're like hooked to and stuff? And I was like, I mean, I'm not really hooked to any TV show right now, but, and then I told everybody about it and I was like, this is the craziest thing that's out there right now. So everyone needs to watch it. So yeah. I'm saying that Amazing. now on the podcast as well. Go out, check out any of the episodes i guarantee you you'll you'll be you'll have your mind blown and you'll be entertained and you'll be informed and it's just a it's great overall so thank you yeah. all for doing i apologize it. if you watch a video with me and i made a bad joke it's just <laughs> gonna happen in every video i'm in <laughs> awesome well jared dude awesome it was uh it was awesome having you on and and thank you for doing this and uh yeah i'd love to chat with you all at the end at some point you know all righty that wraps up this week's episode of the like a bigfoot podcast uh go on support project africa check out their episodes if you're just like whoa i'm just hearing about this there are 69 amazing youtube episodes just of the project and then there's some other um episodes beforehand as they kind of prepared and all of that and I promise you you will be fully invested in the journey um as I am and I just want to say Russ if you're listening to this episode dude you are an inspiration and just keep reminding yourself that small steps taken in a positive direction and doing that consistently that's going to lead to big results dude you're living that life right now you're living that you're not just talking the talk you're walking the walk man and it is inspirational to say the absolute least uh you know i i think about like even if i'm out on my like daily runs before work when i go for a run and it's dark and i'm throwing myself like a pity party and it's cold in colorado where i'm at and all that stuff um i just think i'm like man he's waking up he's sore as shit and he's waking up and he's just getting after it you know and you know the world and life has thrown all these obstacles at him at this point and he just keeps going he just keeps doing those little things of taking steps forward and it's leading him across this gigantic, beautiful, wonderful, amazing continent. And I just think that's so awesome. Uh, so keep it up, dude. Seriously, i beyond inspired. Um, and as it pertains to Jared, having Jared on the podcast, Jared, you are an absolute wealth of positivity. Um, I want to thank you for opening up on the show, sharing your journey sharing what this experience is like um, from your you know viewpoint as filmmaker as crew member as supporter um, I just think the positivity that you bring is just so important it's this unique superpower 
And um, that is amazing to see as well. And, you know, as just like a consumer of adventure documentaries and adventure materials, I'm so psyched to kind of follow your career, see where it takes you, see what projects you're able to work on. Um, I just know, like, just keep following that passion. If you just follow your passion and you do it enthusiastically, um, that that takes you to places you never in a million years would have dreamed that you would have been. Um, and it takes you to projects that never in a million years did would you think you could work on. And I connect a lot to that, um, whether it's just this podcast, you know, just starting it just to have fun conversations and then, you know, look at this amazing community and these amazing people. I get the chance and the opportunity to talk to you. Look at these like listening skills and, you know, leadership skills I get to learn about from these folks. And it's just, yeah, just that passion, that drive is what makes life worth living. It's what makes life special. And, uh, I just think that's a, that's a special thing. That's why we're here. You know, we got to find the things we're passionate about and we got to pursue them because it makes the world like a more colorful place. And that's how I want to live my life. You know, that's how I want to, I want to go about my day to day. And I think by doing that, you get to send out these ripple effects of positivity and you get to send these ripple effects of goodness out and it affects all of the people around you and the people you get to interact with every day, which is really cool. So, um, all right, that wraps up this week's episode. Uh, it was an awesome one. It was an amazing one. I loved this episode. So thank you. Uh, if you want to support the podcast, you can leave us a review or a rating on any of the podcast apps or websites or whatever things you do. Um, share it with friends. If you enjoyed it, we have Obviously, a huge catalog of all sorts of different adventurers, different athletes, different endurance folks that we've talked to in all realms of adventure and sports and things like that. So I'm super proud of this project. So uh, I would be so honored if you all could support it and spread the word. So thank you. All right. We'll be back next week. Uh, super psyched for the next month of podcasts to share with y'all. And uh, yeah, come back then.